Crossroads. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? We're glad that you're here to worship with us. This morning we have a special treat, the Word of Life Band. This is from the Bible Institute. The band Unseen is leading us in worship. Let's give them a welcome this morning as Jared kicks us off in worship.
seated, please. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Man, what a great week we've had here at the church. Let's welcome again our War Life worship team. My goodness. What, a, what an exciting week. I'll tell you what, they came in for an event that we had here on Friday night for our teenagers. And uh, I was able to sit up in the balcony and just take a lot of it in. So I watched our new student, Pastor Caleb York, handle the event and lead. And, and they gave it, we had a guest speaker. And I'm going to let Caleb come in just a moment here. But I'll tell you, I'm watching up there, and I saw the guest speaker. He gave this invitation, and all these guys were up here lined up ready to help counsel. And, and the speaker said, if you want to come and follow Jesus, I want you to come up right now, and I want you to talk to one of these people. And one by one, I just saw it was like all of a sudden one kid got up. And that was the hardest. When one kid gets up by himself, he walked down, and one of these young people took him downstairs into the hallway and started showing him from the Bible how he could have Jesus as his Savior. And then another... And then another, and pretty soon before I knew it, all of our counselors were gone. And I have this picture on my phone. I, I stepped downstairs. You could see the hallway just filled, our newly renovated hallway, filled with people coming to Jesus Christ. Isn't that exciting? God is so good, folks. God is so good. And um, that, that is what makes us tick. I was talking to one of our veteran youth workers, and she was at the doorway. She's crying. And she says, I am just so happy. There's four girls that I've been working with for a long time that came to Jesus tonight, and she, she's bawling, and she's like, this is why I love this church. Amen? Let's give our God glory. What a good God. Caleb York, our student pastor, come give us a full report of, of the event. I tell you what, it was an awesome night. We had over 100 students come here ready to go through the night with us, but you know what? We... We, you know, we gave away a lot of big prize giveaways. We did gift cards. We went bowling, laser tag. We did ice skating. We had a big turf field. We went to Red Robin. But our goal was to see teenagers get saved. That was our overall goal. You know, I'm excited to tell you, we had six students come to get saved that night. Except Jesus Christ, our first time. We had another came for reassurance. Another, we had three more that came for rededication. And it's exciting to see God working in teenagers' hearts, to work in their lives, and to see something going on other than text messages and Twitters and stuff like that, but to see God moving in their heart, and that fires me up more than anything else. So we had an awesome night. I, I'm excited. It was really awesome because we, we actually had five uh, come to accept Christ here, and while we were at Red Robin, we were done eating. We were done eating bottomless fries and burgers. And we started loading them up on the bus, and I was watching one of our Word of Life crew sitting with a student in a booth, and that student was praying, asking Christ to come into his heart. And I'm like, I ain't touching that, dude. Keep doing it. I, everyone else, get on the bus. I was letting God do his work right there, and that was just so exciting to see that. So thank you very much for supporting our ministry. Thank you for supporting that night. If you helped out with cleaning or anything, thank you very much, because you guys don't know how big of an impact you guys have on the youth ministry and how awesome it is to see Christ do things in their lives. So thank you very much. Amen. And, and last Thursday was another, another big event. We had this Lego race in the gymnasium. And if you would have seen the families that were here with small children, they, they put these Lego cars together. It was really cool. The, the first race, a car came down and it, it jumped the track and Legos went everywhere. Uh, but the cool part about Legos is they just put it back together. And so they put it back together, and the race kept going. And 
I'll tell you what, there is a, the, the God is doing something in our midst. Amen? There's something that God is doing, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Uh, this Saturday coming up, and I have the Ford family is going to help me with this. So first of all, the, I'm going to ask you to take two of these flyers here. It's called Easter Egg Extravaganza. Please invite some children, a family with children. Invite them to come up this Saturday. The event is free. They can pre-register online at our website. And uh, we're just, we want people to come in and see that, hey, there's a lot of love happening up here. A lot of people who care about you. And this is a place that you may want to may come to church one of these days. And uh, we're, we're sharing them about how much God loves them. So that is this Saturday from 10 o'clock till 1230. Uh, there's a table in the foyer. You can sign up for that. And uh, sign up for the... Uh, for the Easter egg extravaganza to help. Maybe you can help us run games. Maybe you can make a cake. They need some cakes. They need all kind of things. You'll see Jenny out there. We are going to have a great time this Saturday. God is, again, giving us more opportunities. Also, there's a small card coming around, the business size card. Take a couple of those as well. I'd like, to ha- I'd like for us to have these on hand uh, to hand out and just share with somebody. Uh, you know, next Sunday is Palm Sunday. How about throughout this week we just put the word out, hey, why don't you check us out on Palm Sunday? How about that for Good Friday? We have a, a Good Friday night of worship. That'll be at 7 o'clock on Good Friday. going to be an awesome night here at the church. Invite somebody. Just put that little card in their hand. And then Easter Sunday, our services will also be 9.30 and 11 on Easter Sunday. And we are just looking forward to see what God is going to do. But this is a wonderful season for us to take advantage you know, God gives us opportunities. We have to take advantage of them as He gives them. So I want to ask you to take those and pray over them and hand them out, and we'll just see what God will do here in the next week as God has already begun the momentum. Uh, guys, we could also hit the balcony. We have several up in the balcony can use those papers as well. And uh, before I hand that over to Pastor, I'd like to invite Doug Tolls to come up. Doug Tolls is our Word of Life area missionary, and uh, we, we love this guy. And uh, him, he and his family are here today, but they are, they, we support them on our birthday gift to Jesus. So yes. just give us a, a brief one. All right. Hey, thanks, Ken. Giving the youth pastor and a missionary a microphone, he's crazy. But um, yeah, first of all, before I forget, I want to say thank you so much for keeping us on the birthday gift to Jesus. My wife and I work in the greater uh, Pittsburgh area. We live in Mount Pleasant. Uh, we do a lot of reach outs with teens, with young kids. This year has been awesome. We've seen 93 kids come to Christ this year, just in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, that's pretty pretty sweet. Um, so we're excited. We we love we love working in this area. We also work we work with pastors like Ken. We try to get in there and help them where we can. It's it's not easy. You can pray about that. Um, but we are graduates of the Bible Institute, as is Ken, and it's exciting to see the team here today. And I want to strongly encourage you to go out and just check out the table. We got a lot going on with the Bible Institutes, with camps. We can help if you have young people you want to send up to school. We can, we'd love to help with that and even help financially with that. And with the camps, we've got an awesome lineup this summer. Uh, some of the highlights, we've got the skit guys coming, Laura's story. Um, I'm just trying. We've, we've, got, we've just got some phenomenal speakers coming in. Ted Tripp, I don't know if any of you have read any of his books. He'll be up there. But the camps have changed so much, and we're just so excited about what's going on, and I'm excited to have the team here today. But again, thank you for your support of our ministry and, uh, and for having the team in today, and uh, God is doing huge things in the Pittsburgh area, so thank you. Let's welcome Doug. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, the Word of Life Bible Institute kids have added a lot of life to our church this weekend, and uh, 
we love them a lot. We've sent a number of students up there through the years, and, and they've all done well, and they've come back excited about the Lord and, and set off on a wonderful spiritual track. We're getting ready for, for Easter right around the corner, and every Easter we, uh, we have a, what we call our 30 pieces of silver offering, turning the price of betrayal into an offering of love. I ask our recording uh, secretary, Alicia Peterson, Alicia, how much money has our church given to missions in the last five years? And she said, somewhere around 580-some thousand dollars over the last five years we've just given to missionary enterprises all over the place around the world. And uh, that's a great thing, and we, we pray that we can continue to be able to do that. Uh, this Easter, we are trying to begin a fund to pave our parking lot. It's been disappearing for the last few years out there, piece by piece. And someone told me a long time ago that the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And so it's time that we spend some money here in our local ministry to make it more, uh, more fitting for people who come more comfortable uh, for the people that we're trying to win to Christ right here in our ministry. So you pray about what you can do this Easter, okay? And uh, ask the Lord how he would open your heart. We can begin this fund. It's going to cost an awful lot of money. Uh, it's going to be a, quite a while before we have the final number on that too, but uh, just bring in what you can. Please reach in the book rack right now and pull out that friendship folder, that little black folder in front of you as you do that every week and put your information on there we appreciate it a lot pass it down the aisle let's stand together as our ushers come and we'll receive our morning offering together at this time we thank you for your kindness in giving every every week we appreciate it an awful lot let's thank the Lord who provides it dear God we thank you for your love and we pray now that you'll bless us as we give for your work Lord help us to be cheerful and generous. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated.
You guys may be seated.
Let's open our Bibles today, please, to the book of Luke in the New Testament. Book of Luke, chapter 23. Thank you. We've been talking these days about our journey to the cross, and today we arrive. Someone said one time that the greatest sermon on the subject of the cross was preached from the cross itself. In Luke chapter 23, we're going to begin reading in verse number 33. Uh, this passage, uh, if you let it, will take your breath away. And when you've come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided his garments and cast lots. I have a red-letter Bible. I like the red letters especially. They're the direct quotes of our Lord. The first statement of Christ on the cross was this, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided... Uh, his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself if he's the Messiah and the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in the letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. Greek was the commercial language of the time and everybody in that known world could speak it. God wanted this message to go out to the world. Latin was the professional language of Rome and Hebrew was the native language of Israel. And this was what, what was written on his accusation, this is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him said, if you're the Messiah, save yourself and us. And the other answered, rebuking him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you're under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Again, in red letters, what a terrific statement. I think that's a statement that everybody down deep in their heart would love to hear from Jesus. Today you'll be with me in heaven, in paradise. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour, from noon till three. The sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit in red letters. You know, at this time of the year, actually all year long, we uh, think about all the symbols of Christianity. It doesn't seem like too many, uh, too many weeks ago it was Christmas, and one of the Christmas symbols, of course, is the creche, uh, the manger scene. Um, whenever we see that manger scene, we, we know, of course, it's, it's Christmas time. And then uh, we uh, see the crown of thorns, 
Um, I have, uh, somebody in the church gave me a crown of thorns uh, and I keep it in our living room up on the wall uh, just as a constant reminder of what Jesus did for us. And then there's the fish. And uh, some of you may even have this little emblem on your car. And inside that emblem of the fish, uh, there are those Greek letters. And those Greek letters are, uh, form an acrostic. Uh, and the acrostic uh, is Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Savior. Then there's the Bible, and you know, that's almost a universal symbol for Christianity. And then there's the Trinity, uh, and that's a symbol also. Uh, but today we come to the cross. Last week we talked to you about the betrayal and rest of, uh, arrest of Christ. Uh, whenever they arrested Christ, they took him to the previous high priest whose name was Annas. And he questioned Jesus, and then they finally got him to Caiaphas, who was the current high priest. And, and then they took him to, uh, to be tried before Pilate and before Herod. And you know, I kind of like Pilate a lot, really. Even though he finally gave in to the pressure around him, he uh, punished Jesus with uh, about 39 stripes and let him go. And I understand that, that uh, some people never even lived through that process, let alone go to the cross on top of that. And it was customary to, to, uh, uh, to carry the crossbeam uh, down what we call the Via Della Rosa, the way of the sorrows. I understand it's about 2,000 feet long. That's a long way to carry a wooden beam on your back. But whenever you get to the cross, you find out that uh, there's not many people there in Jesus' entourage. Uh, there's just four, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, it's believed that Joseph, her husband, was dead, or he would have been there too. And there's John, the writer of the Gospel of John. Uh, there's Mary of Clopas, and then there's uh, Mary Magdalene, out of, out of whom Jesus cast seven demons, and there they are. Um, those uh, three women and one man standing at the foot of the cross and it's nine o'clock in the morning and no sooner had they suspended Jesus upon the cross than the first statement and you can see this in your notes that Jesus made was father forgive them for they know not what they do that's Luke 23 34 that's a prayer that's a prayer of Jesus to the father Who's he praying for? He's praying, first of all, for those people who are responsible for his crucifixion. Caiaphas, the Sanhedrin, Pilate. I think he's also praying for his followers, because where are they? There's just one of them there, John the Apostle. Where are the rest? Where are all those people that uh, hailed him King of the Jews on Palm Sunday? I think he's praying for them. Uh, but I know for sure he's thinking of you. He's thinking of me when he's praying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Because uh, Jesus has this way of praying down through the generations. Uh, we're not uh, very good at that at all. In fact, we seldom ever think of that. But Jesus looks down on the generations, past, present, and future. 
And in John chapter 17, remember in what we call the real Lord's Prayer, he said he prayed for you sitting in these seats this morning. He said, I pray for these who will believe in me, me through your word. He was thinking of you. And so every time you read that statement in the New Testament, I want you to think of you. Uh, Jesus on the cross was praying that God would forgive you because you don't know what you're doing. Uh, forgiveness is a wonderful thing. It's a familiar subject with Jesus. Remember, when he was teaching in Matthew chapter 6, he taught his disciples, hey, listen, this is the way I want you to pray. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Whenever he was walking with Peter, remember he gave Peter a, a, a lesson on forgiveness? Peter said, Lord, do you think I should forgive somebody seven times? Peter was waiting for a pat on the back, really, I think. And Jesus, no, I, he said, I think you should forgive 70 times seven times. Uh, Peter's brain was probably racing. Holy cow, I never knew that before. That's a new revelation to me. I'm sure that there are people that even keep a computation on that too, you know. Uh, 450, 51, 52. Uh, Jesus said, listen, I want your forgiveness. I, that's what you do in this life as a Christian. You forgive people. And that simply means to let them go and live their life, uh, not hold them captive and by your anger. Just let them go. Uh, I've discovered uh, in my life that God knows how to handle all these situations. And he's much better at justice than we are. And he said, just forgive these people. Let them live their life. And so forgiveness was an important thing. Uh, he was praying for those people who killed him. Jesus on the cross shows you and me how to care for those who hate us. What do we do about people that hate us? We pray that God will forgive them. That's what we pray. The second statement Jesus made was, today you'll be with me in paradise. Do you know the first thing was a prayer, Father forgive them, and just like that, you know when Jesus prays, he gets action. And just like that, God the Father answered his prayer. A thief on the cross said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, listen, in fact, today you're going to be with me there. Uh, I'm sure that was good news. Uh, I think Jesus there was teaching us uh, how to care for those who really want Christ. You know, there are people in this world that do want Christ. We just have to sift through everybody to find out the people that want Christ. We have to present them the gospel. We have to give them the word. That's why we had this youth activity here at the church. It gives us an excuse to invite people to hear the gospel of Christ. Uh, we need an excuse to do that. And so Jesus was teaching us here how to take care of the people who want Christ. Assuredly, I say to you today, uh, all he did was ask. You know, people say, what do you have to do to be saved? All you have to do is ask. That's it. Uh, but you need to ask soon. Don't wait till the end of the road. You know, there's only one deathbed repentance in the Bible, and that's the thief on the cross. And so I've, ha I've actually heard people say, listen, I'm just going to live my life the way I want to, and at the end of the road, I think then I'll get right with God. Please don't wait that long. A lot of people don't get a chance at the end of the road. The thief did. And every now and then we hear of somebody who might but the Bible says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Uh, and Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, 
Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear God speaking to you, this is the day of your salvation right now. And so Jesus looks down and he sees his mother. Mothers stick with you all the way to the end. God bless mothers, amen. God bless mothers. And so Jesus wanted to take care of his mother. And uh, so he gave his mother over into the hand of the apostle John. He said, take care of my mother. And I'm sure that as the mother of Jesus was looking on this scene, her heart was just pierced in response to the prophecy of Luke chapter 2, verse 35. Simeon, remember, said to her when she held Jesus as a little baby in her hands, one of these days a sword will pierce through your soul. When she was looking at Christ on the cross, that actually happened. And then the Bible says that the sun refused to shine. It became dark. And out of that darkness, we hear this cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know that's an Old Testament quotation from Psalm chapter 22, verse 1? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? The lights go out. Why do you think that happened in the, in the middle of the day? Uh, you know, I've been to Israel. Donnie Oaks is over there with the Word of Life right now. I've been there. It's bright over there. You have to wear sunglasses all the time. Uh, you seldom have a, a gray day. But when Christ was crucified on the cross, the sun refused to shine. Remember, Christ created the sun and the moon and the stars. Uh, according to John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He made it all. And so his creation refused to look upon what was happening there. I think we enter there into the most mysterious time of the crucifixion. There's a lot of things that we can explain about the crucifixion, but we cannot explain what happened there. When Christ uh, took your sin and my sin and all the sins of the world upon him there at the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made Christ, who never sinned, uh, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Uh, in some mysterious way that we cannot understand, Christ was separated from the love of his Father. Martin Luther said one time, God forsaking God, who can understand that? And of course, the answer is nobody can understand it. It's too deep for our thinking. The next thing that uh, happened was Jesus said, I thirst. John 19, 28. What was Jesus thirsting for? Of course, he was thirsting for real water. We, we do that quite often, don't we? But uh, he was thirsting in a spiritual sense as well. He was thirsting for love. Because, you know, the Bible says God is love. He was thirsting for the love of, of his father who had in some way forsaken him at this hour. He was thirsting for the love and salvation of his people. God thirst for people because he loves people. Uh, and you know, whenever a person is saved and the Holy Spirit moves into our heart, that's what happens to you and me. We begin to thirst for people. A Christian doesn't live his or her life to themselves. We're about other people. We're about reaching the lost. That's why these young people are traveling up and down the country singing about Jesus. They have a thirst in their heart. They thirst for souls. 
They thirst for the things of God. And so when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was thirsting for souls. Um, he was showing you and me the attitude that we should have toward the lost. And then he said, it is finished. John 19, 29. Um, President Bush flew to Mount Rushmore for a special 50th anniversary celebration. It's a little known fact that the sculptor, a man named Gutson Berglum, never finished that work of art. Uh, if you study the faces carefully, it's clear to see that he spent most of the time on George Washington than he did on the other three presidents. That's because he originally planned to extend the, the figures of each president down to the chest area, but he never lived long enough to see his dream complete. His son continued his work for a few months after his death, but he ran out of money, and 50 years later, and millions of tourists later, Mount Rushmore is still an unfinished work of art. Michael London was only 34 years old, uh, rising in his profession. He was uh, vacationing in Arizona and Utah, and he noticed a nagging pain in his chest. When he returned home, he had the doctors run some tests. The news was bad, as bad as it could get. Michael London had pancreatic cancer, inoperable, basically untreatable. His life was measured in days and weeks, not months and years. He died leaving behind a wife and nine children, millions of fans, unfinished business. Most everybody I know dies with some sort of unfinished business except Jesus. When Jesus came to earth to die, he finished it all. That was his goal. It was over. Nothing to add to it. The Greek word that is translated into English, it is finished, is the Greek word tetelestai. And uh, it means not only finished, completed, but it means paid in full. If you were to travel to Athens, Greece today and go down in the marketplace and buy something, they would write on your receipt tetelestai paid in full. Uh, when Jesus died upon the cross, that's what he did. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what your sin is. It doesn't matter how many sins you've piled up in your lifetime. It doesn't matter how guilty you think you are. It doesn't matter what you've been doing this week. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. And it doesn't matter how many skeletons are rattling around in your closet. All of your sins have been paid for by Jesus Christ, every single one of them. Uh, when we accept Jesus Christ, our sins are washed in his blood. The blood that he shed upon the cross for you and for me. And so this dark day when Jesus said, I thirst, uh, was a dark day, but he became a bright day. That's why we call it Good Friday today. You know, God is not trying to sell you salvation. He's not offering salvation at half price. He's not asking you to go Dutch treat with him. He's not offering salvation on the installment plan. God is offering you salvation for free. That's what tetelestai means. That's what paid in full means. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that you could ever add to salvation. Christ has done it all. That's why we come together in the church and we sing Amazing Grace and it's 
many times as we have sung it, we are amazed. Amen? We are amazed at what Jesus did for us. The last thing Jesus said from the cross is, Father, into my hands I commend thy spirit. Luke 23, 46. Jesus died, we think, at the exact moment that the sacrifice for Passover was being killed in the temple. At that same time, Jesus breathed his last breath. And at that time, the veil of the temple was torn in top, uh, in two, from the top to the bottom. Now, this is really interesting. When Herod uh, remodeled the temple, he made it a little bit higher than Solomon did. He made it 40 cubits high. That's real high. That's real high, about 60 feet. Josephus tells us that the veil of the temple was four inches thick. That's big. And that if you tied horses on each side, it could not pull the veil apart. So this gigantic veil that kept people out from the presence of God was impenetrable. There was only one person who was allowed once a year to go behind that veil, and that was the high priest. But when Jesus died, God in heaven did this. And that veil opened up. And ever since that time, God has been inviting people into the presence, into his presence. That's why we go up and down the land, you do and I do and we all do in our own way. And we tell people, listen, God wants you to come into his presence. You don't have to meet God through another person. You don't have to pray through another person. He just welcomes you all in to the presence of God. But you know, uh, and he offers you this salvation when you come. And there are many people in life, and maybe it's, maybe it's you today that stand there and say, you know, I don't think I need God like that. I don't think I need that much of God. And uh, this epitomizes your position with God right here. Well, this is what God wants you to come to. He wants you to open your arms. And he wants you to let him give you the gift of eternal life, which he purchased for you upon the cross 2,000 years ago. It's a free gift. You can't buy it. You can't come to church to get it. Uh, but you can come to Christ to get it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except he comes through me. Uh, we are taught in the Bible to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Uh, God's ready to hear your prayer when you're ready to give your prayer, when you're ready to open your heart to Christ. Just call out to him. It doesn't have to be in church, but church is a good place to do it. You know that? It really is. And it gives you something to remember. I remember when I was a kid in church, that Sunday night, I was 11 years old, and the pastor said, would you accept Jesus as your Savior? And I didn't get up and say, I sure will. But I said to Jesus, I sure will. I've never forgotten that. Uh, church is a good place to accept Jesus as your Savior because God's here among us today. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there. We qualify. Do you know that? Well, what does this cross story tell us? It shows us what forgiveness looks like. That's what it does. 
It shows us how to take care of people who hate us. We pray for them. It shows us how to take care of the people we love. Jesus said, listen, mother, go home with John. Uh, it shows us that uh, there's nothing that we have to do to be saved except believe and receive. Uh, this is the cross. A little kid went into church one time and saw the cross up in the front of the church and said to her parents, Mother, what's that plus sign up there on, this, on, the, on the wall? What's that plus sign? That plus sign is for you. Jesus and you, that's a plus. And Jesus has done everything that he could do to bring your soul to him by giving his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for your sin. So the next step is yours. I heard somebody say one time that Satan has cast his vote against you and Jesus has cast his vote for you and you cast the deciding vote. That's true. And so maybe this morning there are some in our church, you're ready to cast your vote. You're ready to say yes to Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayer. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm talking especially this morning to those of you who need to cast your vote. Satan's trying to keep you away from Christ. You know it. That's his job, and he's pretty good at it. But Christ is wooing you by his love. He's showing you in this message of the cross how much he loves you. And I'll tell you what, that's powerful. That draws you to him. And if you're in your heart this morning being drawn to Christ, I'd like to ask you right there in your seat, in your heart, to pray to Christ and receive him as your Savior. Just pray a prayer something like this, not out loud, but in your heart. Say, Jesus, I have sinned against you. I have offended your, your holiness. Forgive me. I reach my hands out to receive your free gift of eternal life. Come into my heart. I'm trusting you and you alone as my Savior. I have nothing to bring to you, Lord, but my sin. Take my life, Lord. Move in and let me be a true follower of Christ. Now, if you're praying a prayer similar to that in your heart, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Lord will hear you, and he will save you. And you can walk out of this church today, and you can breathe a sigh of relief, knowing that Christ is your Savior. Dear Lord, we thank you for the message of the cross, and the beauty of the cross, the amazement of the cross. We pray now that as we sing our concluding song together as a congregation, that you'll move among us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you'd like to come and pray about anything that's going on in your life or the life of a friend, please do.
Yeah. 